This is episode number 533 with high-performance psychologist, Dr. Michael Gervais. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Michael Jordan said, you have to expect things of yourself before you can do them. I'm very excited about this episode because it's all about how to optimize your performance, how to take your life to a whole nother level, and it starts with the mindset. I'm super pumped about Dr. Michael Gervais, who is with us right now. He is a high-performance psychologist with over 20 years of experience working in high-stakes environments with some of the top athletes musicians, and executives in the world. He is known for his work with the Super Bowl-winning Seattle Seahawks, helping them with their mental performance, Microsoft executives, Olympic beach volleyball star Kerry Walsh Jennings, world record skydiver Felix Baumgartner, and PGA golfer Luke Donald. Dr. Gervais has been featured in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, CNN, ABC, Fox News, and many other media outlets. And the things we talked about today are really how to optimize the mindset for peak performance, for high performance. And one of the things we cover is what is really going on in the brain when someone is actually in flow state at their most peak performance, what's happening in the brain? And why do we need to be more if we want to do more? And how we can be more. How our mind is like a drunken monkey most of the time and how to manage it effectively. Three tactics to discover your personal philosophy about life. And really, uh, Michael says that this is one of the keys to overcoming a lot of fears is by having this personal philosophy and he teaches you how to find it. Also, what to do about loneliness that comes from pushing your edges because those that want to achieve great things usually have to go to a lonely place, especially in their mind, when doing those great things. Some powerful stuff. Make sure to take a screenshot of this right now. Tag me on your Instagram story, at Lewis Howes, and share this with your friends who want to achieve more high performance in high-stakes environments. Also, a big shout-out to the fan of the week. This is from Ash Passion, who said, Seriously love your podcast. It's very enlightening and insightful. It makes me feel like I'm learning from the top knowledge experts. I listen when I'm out and about, while I'm cooking and cleaning, and if I need motivation, I turn it on. If I want a good start to my day, I check it out. I can't get enough. Thank you. So thank you so much for being the review of the week. And if you guys want a chance to be considered for a shout out on the podcast, all you need to do is leave a review over on iTunes. We go through those every single week. We take out some of the best and we'll give you a shout out to be considered as the review of the week. So check it out over on iTunes and leave us a review at School of Greatness. 
I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12-pack, head to Amazon and use promo code 20PUREleaf. That's promo code 20PUREleaf for 20% off. Nothing beats attending a live event. SeatGeek's site is easy to navigate, so you're able to select the best seats to see your favorite artists with confidence. With over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app on the Apple App Store. There are more than 70,000 events on SeatGeek, including concerts, sports, festivals, and more. Plus, your tickets are backed by a buyer guarantee. Download the SeatGeek app and use code GREATNESS20 to get $20 off your first purchase. Offer applies to new customers only. Purchase must be over $50. The promo code is single use and valid through September 30th, 2024. Get tickets on SeatGeek now. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Also, we are about a month and a half away from the launch of the mask of masculinity. This is the book I've been working on for over two years. It's a journey about how men can embrace vulnerability, create strong relationships, and live their fullest lives. What's in this for men? Men will understand what holds them back from their most powerful self. They'll develop an unwavering foundation of confidence in any situation. It will help propel them to a level of power and success that they may never thought possible. Embrace and let go of any fears that hold them back from their dreams and so much more. But this book is not only for men. It's for women too. It's for all the women who want to understand the men in their life better. It's for women who want to learn ways you can emotionally support the men you love, to learn powerful tools, to connect more intimately in your relationships, learn how to get men you love to open up and be more vulnerable and understand what holds the men in your life back, that and so much more. Make sure to go to Mask of Masculinity right now. You can pre-order one copy and get a bonus or you can pre-order multiple copies. I'm giving away a ton of goodies for people that get three copies, that get 10 copies, 250 copies. Check out all the bonuses. It's unbelievable what we're adding, how much value we're adding when you buy one book, three books, or more. So check it out at maskofmasculinity.com. And when you pre-order a copy of your book, make sure to take a screenshot of the receipt and tag me on your Instagram story at Lewis Howes, and I will respond to each person who does that. So check it out, maskofmasculinity.com, and tag me on Instagram when you do. All right, it is time to take your mind to a whole new level. So you can optimize for any high-stake environment you have in your life to get into the flow and take control of your dreams and your life. Without further ado, let me introduce to you the one, the only, Dr. Michael Gervais. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. We have Dr. Michael Gervais in the house. Good to see you, my friend. How are you doing? My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Of course, man. I'm very excited. Now, you are a high-performance psychologist. 
uh, with 20 years of experience working with a lot of high-level Olympians, athletes, executives to just high-stakes performers in general. That's right. Um, and I'm curious, how did this begin for you? Was it originally in sports psychology? I think a lot of people originate from sports, or was it something else for you? Yeah, great question. I'll, I'll take you back to how it started for me, mm -hmm. which um, I think that most trajectories in life begin with some sort of pain. Mm -hmm. And so, if, yeah, if we can get clear on what that is, then, um, you know, I think the path gets much easier. So I'll start there. But before I go there, the, the mechanical part is pretty simple. Undergraduate degree in psychology, master's degree in kinesiology. I'll put an asterisk on that for a minute. And then back to uh, a PhD in psychology with an emphasis in sport. Mm -hmm. And then licensed as a psychologist in California and then figured out I didn't know anything. At that point, I still didn't know anything. I knew Even all with the, the theories. Yeah. I yeah. mean, with all those training. But what I did know is all the base theory. And I got to stand on the shoulders of giants that have researched over and over again, like how the human mind and body work together and what those theoretical orientations were. Right. But Phenomenal. You, but you weren't like a tactician at the time yet, like working mm -hmm. in the weeds with people's minds. No, not yet. Not, en fears. not enough. Yeah. And yeah. then, so then I went... More like role-playing in class or something. Yeah. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was, yeah. right? You're about to go on stage. <laughs> Let's walk through your fears. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember the first time... I, I'll get to the first question in a minute, but the first time that... Um, so before you, before you become licensed, you have to be supervised for 3,000 hours. And that's by another psychologist wow. saying, hey, why did you put your pencil down at minute 22 in the conversation? Oh, my gosh. You know, and how come you took the conversation this way? Did you miss A, B, and C? And so, like, there's an intense amount of training that goes into wow. sitting in front of another human being and having them express what's deep within them, right? Their aspirations, their pains, the dark side, the light side. And there's incredible training just to say that for me, there was incredible training for me to say that at now at that point, after the 3000 hours, I still didn't know anything. Wow. Yeah. And so the reason that I knew I didn't know anything is because, um, I hadn't been in the trenches yet with people that were masterful people that were off, had created enough training that they could authentically express what's within themselves. And so therein lies why I got started is that I grew up here in California and my first sport was surfing mm -hmm. and I was, there's free surfing and there's competitive surfing. There's two types of surfing and free surfing. I was a good little, you know, 15 year old free surfer, meaning when it was just me and mother nature, no problem. Like it was really <laughs> right. good, you know, you're and the man out there, you were yeah, right. Like I could, wave, you're <laughs> I could figure it out well yeah, enough yeah. with the boys. Like it was yeah. fun. And then as soon as competition happened, mm. um, and there was people on the beach and those judges and Cameras now, and yeah, the whole thing was happening that I felt like a shell of myself. Hmm. And I'm a 15, 16 year old kid at this point, shaking out in the water and, you know, surf that I'm super comfortable in. And there was one day where a surfer passed by me and I, it, we were in a heat. There's only three guys out in the heat and he paddles by me. Now he's like a grown man and he paddles by me and he says, Gervais, you got to stop thinking about what could go wrong. And I thought, and I said, how the hell does he know what's in my head? That's it. Like, I couldn't feel my feet. I couldn't feel my body. It was disconnect, completely disconnected to my board. And so, like a good competitor, he didn't tell me what to do. Yeah, yeah. He just told me not to think about, like, the, all the things that I was worrying about. So, I sat for a minute and I said, okay, well, if that's the case, let me start thinking about what I want to have happen. And so, I just kind of mused and you know, created some imagination about that, about what it would feel like to surf at my best. Mm -hmm. So that was the first introduction, looking back with hindsight, that I had to sports psychology. 
And it, and I got out of that heat and I said, you know, there's something to like how my mind's worked. It's screwed up. My mind's screwed up. Like I can't be myself as soon as there's people watching and judging me. Mm-hmm. Right. And so call it performance anxiety, call it whatever you want. Yeah. I didn't have command of my mind. And I didn't know there was such a thing as sports psychology, but I knew that the mind and my craft were, there was an intimate link at that point. And so um, that's what started it. That intersection of pain of not being able to authentically express what was inside of me. And that's what kind of took me down this path. And so you started researching and studying this while you're in high school? No. Yeah, I wish I was that switched (laughs) on. No, I I mean, I barely got out of high school. Mm -hmm. And um, I was the first person in my family, you know, to go to college. Uh, I started junior college because there was this moment in time when um, my my mom, I specifically remember, she pulled me aside. It was my senior year in high school. And she pulled me aside and she said, you know, Mike, we tried. And your, your father and I, you know, we went to the school of hard knocks and mm. we, you know, we didn't, yeah. we didn't know how to support you in this way. But at this point in your life, you need to do one of two things. You need to go to junior college and we'll help you there. Or you need to get out and get a job. Mm. And I thought at 18, at a, yeah, I was like yeah. 17, 18. Yeah. I started school early and I said, no, I, I know how to go to school and surf. So let me just, <laughs> let me extend yeah. like year 12 to 13 and 14. Let me see if I can just play this game a little sure. bit longer. And, um, yeah, so I went to um, a junior college, and I. It was at that place that I there was three professors that saw this, you know, grommet. That's what they call young surfers. This little grommet, you know, bouncing around school, just trying to figure out how to get out of class again. Mm-hmm. I tested in. This is all sounds really unbecoming, but I think there's a good story to it. Is that I tested into remedial math and remedial English, and it's not because I didn't understand the concepts. It's because I didn't understand how to study. And I missed high school, mm. which is a, in some ways, an assault on, um, you know, high public high schools. Yeah. 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 So I missed, I missed high school. Literally, I was in the water surfing more than I was in class. It mm. felt like mm-hmm. I tested in remedial math, remedial English. There was three professors up at this school, Marymount College, and it was a psychologist, a theologian, and a um, philosopher. Those are the three professors. And I'll tell you what. I'd fell in love. They showed me how to fall in love with working to understand the invisible. And it was like, from that point forward, no one ever had to ask me to read another book. That was it. And it just took off for me. Wow. Yeah. So there was a catalyst. You had a great catalyst catalyst that like finally made you understand the power of learning and. Yeah. It was pain and love. It was those two things, the pain of not being myself and then the love of like this learning that took place. And so I I love to share that story. It's not, has very little to do with me. It has to do Mm. with, um, you know, those three professors. Yeah. And so. Now was, was there a moment when, um, you kept competing and you realized, okay, now I know what's going on in my mind and I know that I have this anxiety or this fear or whatever it was holding you back. And I'm learning how to switch it off so that I can step into my vision or to what I want to create as opposed to what I want, what's going to happen wrong. Was there a moment when that started happening in the water? You're like, wow, I finally started to click. Yes and no. I wish, I wish I had that dramatic thing, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I like, like I can, yeah, yeah. I, it's it, for me, it never quite worked that way. It was like this gradual progression. And the way I liken it to is, I think it's the case for most of us is that you know, when you have like a toothache or you have something that is like aching or there's a pain and then, or hiccups. And then you look back, like time progresses and you go, Oh my God, my toothache is gone. 
or my hiccups are gone. Like, this is great. So this is like this pr- gradual progression, mm-hmm. but not this one kind of instantaneous lightning rod moment, right. at least for me, you know, in my yeah. life. So, uh, no, there's this gradual progression where I, I felt that I was more grounded. I understood um, because of increased awareness. And then I was, but at the same time, I was learning from these really bright men and women, some of the best doers in the world. And they were on a very similar journey. And the only difference I had is that they were in the amphitheater doing it. And at this young phase of my life, I just had some theoretical orientation. So early on in my career, I felt like I learned much more than they learned. And then um, I'm not saying it's different now. I'm still like, I want to be a beginner and everywhere I go. (laughs) So, of course. um, Yeah. So that's kind of the the arc, if you will. Sure, sure. What do you think is the, the, the main thing that holds people back from high performance when it matters the most? Well, I think there's two parts to that question. You know, you add the when it matters the most. And that's a really important, nuanced, esoteric phrase. And I love this phrase, when it matters most, because if you listen to ESPN or you listen to Fox Sports or you listen to any of those, um, you know, types of shows, they'll say that big game, defining play, defining moment. And there really isn't such a thing. And so when it matters most is now. It's not later. It's not the Super Bowl. It's not your Everest. It's not the pitch that you're the that you're going to give to a VC firm. That's not the moment. The moment is now, and it's always now, and it's now again. And if we are present, it's now again, and it's always now. And so the idea is that there's no such thing as a moment later that's more important than the one you have now. Because again, this is very esoteric. If sure. we were to strip away your ability and my ability to live in this present moment, then we don't have life, right? It's the absence of life. But what happens for most of us is that if you think about um, this moment a little bit like a raindrop, like it's moving, okay? And eventually it'll crash, uh, death, if you will. But like this raindrop that's moving, we can be on the edges of the raindrop or we could be right in the center. We don't ever leave our raindrop, our unique raindrop. But when we go to the edges of the raindrop, Um, it's like we are not fully in the present moment. And so what gets in the way? Anxiety, you know, worry. What do they think of me? Uh, What if it goes wrong? Do I have what it takes? Am I going to embarrass myself? Am I going to let people down? You know, so that anxiety is a real condition. It's estimated that, well, the research suggests that 15% of Americans uh, suffer, and that's the word, from anxiety. The estimate is probably more like 30% suffer and it's a mental disorder and anxiety by definition is the excessive worry about what could go wrong. So that's at the root. At the, that's what, at what's the, the opposite of anxiety? Groundedness. Yeah. A sense of poise and presence. Focusing on what could go right. Yeah. Well, yeah. not even, <laughs> not even that, but like, yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So if, if anxiety is worrying about what could go wrong, an anecdote for that experience is focusing on what could go right. Mm-hmm. What could be fantastic. Yeah. Living in gratitude and that's right. Yeah. Which I'm obviously you're familiar with, but the essence of it is coming back to the center of that raindrop, that esoteric thing I'm talking about, like that falling raindrop to time your ability to be right in the center. And what, what does that mean? That you're grounded, you're present, your, your mind is on time with what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so you've heard great athletes talk about the game slows down. Yeah, It doesn't slow down. That's not what happens is that our mind becomes fully syncopated at the speed of life. And we're on time. Mm. And so when we're finally on time, it's such a re- like a relief. Like, oh my God, this is this is the speed of life. This is amazing. Yeah. And so we don't have ever have the power to slow down time. We just have the power to increase our ability to be on time. 
That's right? Cool. You know, in this like moment, that. then the next moment, then the next moment. The worried mind is behind time or ahead of time. Right? And so there are times to, to do, there are moments where we need to think about the future. Don't, I mean, for sure. But it's the excessive worry about what could go wrong. And I think that that would be, um, uh, so it's fear and fatigue are the two kind of cripplers of potential. And so if we get the fear thing right, and we have a relationship with fear and we look for moments to challenge our relationship with fear. I can talk a lot. I love to talk about that with you. And the other is getting the fatigue thing right. And we, we've come in modern times to believe that we need to do more to be more. And it's broken, right? It's fundamentally broken. The idea is that we need to be more and let the doing flow from there. Be yourself, be your authentic self, be here now, you know, be grateful, be present and let the doing flow from those, that orientation is a completely different model that, you know, it's like I, I've, I'm spending my life efforts, I think, working to share that and to help the, some of the best doers and thinkers in the world to reorientate what got them good, but is slowing them down from being their absolute personal best. Mm. What's slowing them down? Fear and fatigue? Still, yeah. Well, the idea, the the framework, the psychological framework that I need to do more to be more, and that's born out of anxiety, mm-hmm. right? Not doing enough. Yeah, could be doing more. And the trick, Just stressing about, yeah, that. yeah, flat out. And the trick, though, there is that that got, that'll get people good. I need to do more. Uh-huh. Damn, I missed that jumper. How am I going to miss that jumper? Let's keep it, like you drive know, drive them to be practice more. To yeah, yeah. yeah so that's this, um, you know. It's like just enough anxiety will get you good, but it will slow you down for being your absolute best at some point, mm-hmm. you know? So it's tricky. Yeah. Right. There's an edge. Cause you need to be driven to train mm-hmm. and practice with that edge. That's in right. In order to be great at something. That's right. Yeah. You know, if you're just doing it for fun, it's different, but to be, to be a winner, to be a champion in sports, let's say, or to be a great performer on stage, musician, whatever, you've got to put in the time. Yeah, and I think the deliberate time, right? Well, yeah, it's nauseatingly yeah. how how truly challenging it is to focus deeply. Yeah, and it's rare. You know, our, our, our the natural state of our mind is like a drunk monkey, and for some people, one of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And actually, I was thinking about something I wanted to share. I get a lot of questions from you about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there who are often on the go, like I am. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making some extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start, and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Many people host on Airbnb, including some friends of mine who have raved to me about their experience. But there are some people out there who've never imagined their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle, and it's a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you've got yourself an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
ever notice how your relationship with your wireless carrier can have the same yada yada as a bad romantic relationship? Like you're treated special at the beginning with exciting gifts and offers, but then ignored and overlooked later on. Or your partner gets a wandering eye, like how some wireless carriers start focusing their attention on newer customers. Well, if this sounds like your wireless carrier, it might be time to put an end to the yada yada. Now at Metro, existing customers get that new customer feeling again and again. Introducing Metro Flex. More than just free 5G phones when you join, get the same great deals as new customers on select devices like Samsung, Motorola, and Rebel when you stay 12 months and trade in a phone. It's the first of many initiatives Metro is making to ensure all of the customers feel valued. That's not a yada yada. Stop by your neighborhood Metro store, bring your number and ID, and sign up for an eligible Metro Flex plan. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. Too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. It's double-fisted. It's all uh, over the place. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, so emotionally erratic. Good thing it, I don't drink. Otherwise, I'd be messed up in the game. Did you have a run with that? I've never been drunk in my life. Stop it. Never been drunk. Is there is there I a have like a sip I have like a Bailey's on ice every now and then, like a couple times a year. Mm -hmm. But I've never felt like a buzz or anything. Um I think when I went in high school, first off I went to a private boarding school, so there was no you weren't allowed to drink and I was just kinda like I don't really care. Some kids were, but I was in the dorm and didn't really have access to it and didn't care. What were you focused on? Sports. Mm -hmm. I mean, my vision was to be the best athlete I could be and to go, you know, get a college scholarship, play play professionally. And so when I went to college, I remember when I graduated high school, all my siblings were like, you're going to be this drunk jock. Like, we already know it. And I think out of spite, I was like, I'm going to bet you I'm not going to have a single sip of alcohol my entire career in college. There you go. So I didn't have a single sip. Yeah. I went to so many college like parties after football games, just like crazy drunken parties. I was never even like, tempted. I think because I just had in my mind, like, these, my teammates are losing their edge the more they drink and like the sloppier they are, they weren't recovered for the next day. And it was holding them back the whole week and, you know, performance. So for me, I was just like, I need every edge as just a, I didn't have the speed, the strength, the skill as everyone else. I was like, I need the mental edge. Yeah, there you go. And you know, if being hung over is a significant problem to being yeah. consistently great, like yeah. that becomes problematic. And so I, I had a similar experience to you. Right. And mine was born a little bit differently that I had a family of addiction. <laughs> yes. Right. So it was in my family. I saw it and I said, I, I'm not going down that path. Yeah. So it's easy to repeat that when one mm -hmm. feels like it's not enough. One drink feels like it's not enough, but a thousand's, you know, no, what's the saying? Uh, one's too, one's too many, a thousand's not enough. Mm. So there's like this craving that I felt early on really? to it. And I said, wow. I said, whoa, 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 you know, which I'm so thankful that I had um, such dysfunction that I was able to witness. Sure. But I knew that if I'm doing what my boys are doing, that I'm not getting up in the morning and surfing. Yeah. So forget about it. No. You're sleeping. Yeah. And you're I love it. Exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so fear and anxiety. So 
No, no, fear and fatigue. Fear and fatigue, sorry. Yeah. Uh, why? So it's hard to perform if we're fatigued physically and emotionally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but why do we fear so much about what could go wrong, what other people think about us, who we're going to let down, that we're not worthy enough, good enough? Why do we fear that? It's a great question. So and much. Yeah, it's a really great like question. For our whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that... So there's some biological things we can take a look at, and then there's also psychological, right? And then, so it's the interaction of those two. Biologically, our brain, as best as we think, and it's three pounds of silly putty that sits in our skull mm-hmm. that's more complicated than, yeah. you know, like w- the brightest minds in neuroscience are still amazed by how our brain works. And so, um, but we think that our brain is designed to scan the world and find what's dangerous, right? And so our ancestors... Pass that gift on to us. Your lineage passed that gift on to you that they were able to survive. And so how survive? Way back in ancient times that they could scan the world and easily discern how to be ready between, uh, now let me say it more, more eloquently, they could scan the world and find uh, what was dangerous or what was threatening so that they wouldn't be eaten. Mm-hmm eaten by the saber-toothed tiger as the story goes, right? right? Or they want to eat something bad or they want to whatever, protect themselves. That's yeah. right. So, and then, so then not only was nature dangerous and all the elements in nature, but other humans became dangerous to each other. So now what we've created is the ability, the heightened ability to read micro-expressions. And micro-expressions are the small squinting of the eyes, the frontalis muscles between the eyes. And when those squint or don't move, it's a sense of threat. Right. Because we don't know what's happening to that from that person. And so if you got this ancient brain that's programmed beautifully to find what's dangerous and we scanned in an undisciplined way our environment around us, we're going to find dangerous things. And in modern times, we're not chased by saber tooths anymore. The new modern saber tooth are other people's opinions. Mm. And so. Um, we're well conditioned from an early age, and this next generation is going to be even more well conditioned. Social you know, media. with Insta <laughs> yeah. highlight reels for everything. My life is better than yours. I'm going to yeah. show you by, via a snap picture. Is that um, you know? So we've got this real challenge that to pursue a, a path of our personal best, we have to override our DNA. That's that's hard to do. Mm-hmm. That's really hard to do. It requires deep commitment to training. Yeah, and that's a psych, That's what psychology, the optimal. Um, opportunities that psychology offers us is just that how to train our minds to override our DNA and to use the smaller parts of our brain to scan the world and find opportunity. Mm. How can we train our minds every single day throughout the day to do that? Yeah. Overcome this fear. What are the things that we could be doing? I I could, I'll, I will not, I could, I will rattle off as many as you want to hear like tactics and, and then I also want to put a small little asterisk next to this is that the tactic alone is not enough, right? It's the stitching of the tactics. It's the stitching of the mental skills training to each other and to one's personal philosophy. So without a personal philosophy, it's like you we end up just trying all these different things to get better, but what are we getting better at? what other people want us to be. Mm, mm. So there's a fundamental piece of work first. <laughs> Got it. Right? So what would be your personal philosophy? I'll, I'll, I'll share mine. Cool. Um, it, I've spent a lot of time with it. And I'll tell, uh, if I could tell a story of how sure, it worked, I think it, it will yeah. harden a little bit. Is that, um, so I needed a mentor when I was growing up. And um, I'm thankful. What's up, Gary? Like, I'm thankful for Gary. He helped me out in so many different ways, even currently today. Um, and so... One day he says, um, 
hey, Mike, I, I want to introduce you to my mentor. Oh, great. I didn't know there was such a thing as like a grand mentor. Like, yeah. am I ready? And so, you know, it was this moment. I said, okay, here we go. And it was this, um, but to my surprise, it was this um, small, um, you know, two, uh, three bedroom, two bedroom, uh, three bedroom, two bath home. Um, and it was well manicured. And it was this pleasant, like 78, 82 year old woman comes out. And I was just so pleasantly surprised, like, okay, this is going to get good. Because she just had that sense of wise woman. Mm-hmm. And it's the setting that you would imagine. The shag carpet was a little bit long. The drapes were just a little bit, you know, um, uh, you know, outdated. Yeah, yeah. And so we sat at the table and uh, she's pouring me tea and, and she says, you know, uh, welcome. And so interested to meet you. And then we sat down and she said, so tell me what you're about. And I said, okay, well, um, uh, what, well, the things that I'm most interested, well, okay, let me start this way. And she looked at me and she looked at my mentor and she said, I thought you said he was ready. I said, oh my, I am, I, I, I am ready. Like, wait, 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 no, 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 I want to answer that. And she grabbed my tea and she said, you know, when you're ready, sweetie, I'd like to share this tea with you. Ooh. Yeah. So I was like super embarrassed in that moment. Like I thought I let my, my mentor down and, you know, it was like this really intense experience. Wow. How old were you? I was at that point, um, I was right after, it was like 26. 27, somewhere in that range. And so I didn't know what to do. And so it was this awkward moment, but I knew that I had, I was not prepared to even answer the most basic question. Who are you? And so that's where, that's where I just want to anchor that because I think that that captures what most of us feel like a lot. Most people don't feel like they know who they are. Yeah. And so I had this dramatic moment for me, but you know, I think it's a really important process to go through. So let's call it a personal philosophy, but then let's extract one, one level out from that. The greatest and the most influential people across the globe are very clear about their philosophy. The greatest movers and shakers and change makers are um, spiritual leaders and political leaders for the most part. And now we're starting to see business leaders, you know, to do that. Um, What was Confucius philosophy? What was Buddha's philosophy? What was Jesus philosophy? They're really clear. Jesus was, and I want to oversimplify a beautiful set of traditions, but Jesus was more about love and service. Buddha was more about, you know, um, that all people are suffering. And then, so let's work through compassion to live with loving kindness. What was Martin Luther King Jr.'s? Dr. King Jr.'s was about equality, Equality, you know, Malcolm X, equality, totally different tone, totally different approach. Mother Teresa Helen Keller, what was Helen Keller's like? Okay, I'm going to go for it. And like, I deserve to be educated as well. She changed the educational system. So the most influential people were very clear. Why? Because they lined up their thoughts, their words, and actions to the thing that matters most to them. And that's what a philosophy is about. Everybody already has one. You have one, I have one. Whether we could articulate it at knife point in a dark alley, totally different element, right? And so... I think that that's a nice litmus test. Like, could you get it out in front of a deranged person who's got a knife to your throat? Like, could you, do you, are you that clear what you stand for? And do you have your personal philosophy? So that's the litmus test for for folks I work with. And I'll share mine. It's every day is an opportunity to create a living masterpiece. And so there's, um, there's optimism embedded in there. There's creative juices embedded in there. And then there's, you know, this idea of uh, a living masterpiece. And so, um, when I met Coach Carroll, head coach of the Seattle Seahawks about six years ago, six, seven years ago, 
one of our first conversations. It was, it was over dinner, a mutual friend put us together. And we had this really wonderful conversation. And it was born out of like, what is your philosophy? So he had been on the same similar journey, I should mm-hmm. say, where he was fired from two head coach jobs yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. And on, on the second time he was fired. So from pain creates change. Mm-hmm. Uncomfortableness is how we grow, but change is how we, uh, I'm sorry, uncomfortableness is how we grow, but pain is why we change. Mm. So he experienced pain and said, if I get another chance, I'm going to do it exactly the way that is authentic to me, but I got to figure out what that is. Well, yeah. So he just went and scratched down on, you know, multiple pads, spiral, you know, old school spiral notebooks, just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote, took a second pass at it and said, what are the words that keep showing up? Circled those words, wrote more about those words. And that's how it eventually spilled out of him. His philosophy is always compete. Hmm. Always compete for what you say, always compete to be a great dad, to be a great coach, to be a great friend, to be a great partner, like always compete. And so he says at his core, he's a competitor and he's always trying to become better. Wow. And so, so he's built his whole life around, you know, that and including the Seattle Seahawks and USC before that. Mm-hmm. So, um, wow. Yeah, so philosophy is really important to us. And so that would be the most significant investment first. How can someone create their own philosophy? The three ways to do it. Okay, so now we're into some tactics, right? Mm -hmm. Which I think is really important as well. So the tactics, there's three ways to get clear. Um, Be around wise people Mm -hmm. and have conversations about philosophy and wisdom, right? Be around them. If you don't know one, um, go try to. They're rare, Mm -hmm. but you know, maybe pray about it. Maybe talk about it. like find wise people in your lives or become one, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Right? okay. Or you can watch videos of them or read their books to get started, you know? Yeah. And it, yes, start down that path. Nice, yeah. nice job, you yeah. know? And, and there's something about being in their presence. Mm-hmm. If you can, that, that is different, of course, you know? Of course. Okay. And it, it, there's, you know, synagogues and churches and mm-hmm. there's, there's folks that you can find these people and they don't have to be spiritual. They can be um, secular as well. So be around wise people, write journal, you know, there's something about forcing words out of your native tongue, all the words of your native tongue to write down the words and to have a forcing function to choose words that matter. Mm. Like there's something about that. And then the last, uh, the third is, and all of them are equally important is listening. So mindfulness practice. So listening to, it's one of the most ancient mindfulness traditions is asking yourself, it's a, it's called contemplative mindfulness is ask yourself the question, who am I? And just go down that path. Mm. Who am I? And you'll learn, you'll learn some ugly things. You'll learn some wonderful things and you'll really learn who you are. And so those are three ways, mm-hmm. right? And then there's another easy way. I don't know if it's on our website or whatever, but we've developed a philosophy primer, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I don't think it's up on our website, but those would be the three tactics to get closer, Yeah, yeah. you know? And then if I, if I do you want me to go one click sure. deeper, yeah, yeah. you know, if mechanically what I would suggest you do is write down a list of all the people that really inspire you. Like, who are those people? Just write down that list. And you don't have to know them. Mm-hmm. Then write to the right of that column for each person. Write down the characteristics that 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 they embody, that that inspiration comes from. So if it was like, so let's say Martin Luther King Jr. And you say, you know, courage or mm-hmm. intelligence or people person or conviction. Okay, those words matter. And then as you go down your list, mm-hmm. you'll start to see some characteristics. You'll start to see some stuff. Yeah. And then once you're clear... Um, I don't know. You, it, 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 we, we talk about going from clarity to conviction. And that's, that's the entire arc of mental training is first, you got to get some clarity and then invest in your craft and invest mm. in your, your mind so that you can live a life of conviction. Yeah. 
in any environment. You can be about you in any environment. Mm-hmm. And as humans, there's only three things we can train. Everything falls within one of these three buckets. We can train our body, you know, that professional sport, you know, and, and has done great to show us what that looks yeah, like. Yeah. You can train your craft and we all have a craft, right? Like athletics or arts or music. It's easy to see that, you know, mm-hmm. your, your craft of interviewing and writing, um, and many more probably, mm-hmm. but there's also other crafts that you have and that we all have. It might be things that we're not paid for, but we're passionate about. Yeah. Okay. So it could be parenting. <laughs> it could be a guitar. It could be lots of different things. Okay. So you can train your body, you can train your craft and then you can train your mind. That's it. Those are the only three. So we don't see training the mind as being extra. Who's got extra time nowadays? Mm-hmm. There's no extra. There's, it's fundamental to becoming your very best is yeah. training one of those three elements. And if you train all three of them, it's an accelerated path. Mm-hmm. That's, you know. What's the best way someone could train their mind on a daily basis? If they so, have 30 minutes a day. Yeah, training. good. So start with your philosophies. That's, yes. That would be mental get training. Clear, right? get, get clear. Clear down your philosophy. That's the first part. Figure that out. Yeah, and that's lonely, deep, deep work. Yeah. And that might take years. Or it could pop right, spill right out of you, mm-hmm. you know, right? So start now. <laughs> um, yeah, the Dalai Lama has something, or it was actually a, a former Dalai Lama said, um, enlightenment takes lifetimes or the next moment. So pay attention. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's the first. And then the second, I would say, uh, the second largest pillar would be to invest in mindfulness. Uh, I'm happy to talk about that, but you can train confidence. You can train calm. You can train your ability to be focused in the present moment. Uh, you can train optimism. Um, which is an accelerant to, is an accelerant to mental toughness. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you have great value for training gratitude, mm-hmm. and so um, Martin Seligman did a wonderful piece of research out of UPenn that um, just writing down at the end of the day three amazing things that you experienced has a significant impact in uh, life satisfaction. Mm-hmm. It can it can impact your relationships with others. Yeah. If you are depressed, people that came into his study stabilize their depression. People that were not depressed that came into their study after, I think it was one month, three month and six month follow up, they had a significant overall increase in their overall life satisfaction. It's as simple as writing down three amazing things, Mm -hmm. right? And so uh, that's one way to train optimism and gratitude. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of ways to do it. And I don't know if you want a specific tactic or mindfulness. Do you mean meditation or you mean other type of practice? So mindfulness, um, yeah, you can, you could substitute the word meditation Mm -hmm. for mindfulness Meditation for, for us conjures up a term that there's a lot of stigma attached to. And that stigma is changing. But in I spend most of my time in very rugged and hostile environments. And to talk about mindfulness in those environments is a stretch. You know, although, no, I'm sorry. To talk about meditation mm-hmm. is the stretch. Mindfulness feels like, okay, mindfulness training, what is that? Yeah. What's well, about increasing your awareness? Oh, I, yeah, that's important. Meditation has that all other baggage. Yeah, so yeah. is it the same thing? Close. Yeah. Mindfulness is a state and a skill. Meditation is the skill training mechanism for it. And so with, let's just for simplicity call mm-hmm. it mindfulness training. And I mean, I, I, do you want to go deeper sure. than that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, if, mindful, if the definition of mindfulness is the ability to be here now, to be where your feet are without judgment, without the, the noise, the idea is to get to the signal. And the signal is always now and to gate out the noise. I mean, engineers right now are going, yeah, that's what it's about. You know, signal to noise ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what it is for our minds as well. And remember, our, our natural state of our mind is like a drunken monkey. Uh-huh. So to, a disciplined mind, a still mind is rare. And mindfulness is increasing your ability 
to recognize when your mind is away from the present moment and bringing it back. And it's not about not having thoughts. That's, that's an old thought that most people are recognizing that that's not the case. But mindfulness is really about rec- uh, when you, once you recognize that your mind has wandered from a particular state or there's judgment around it, to gently bring it back mm-hmm. to, the, to now. Mm-hmm. And that now can be a breath. It could be uh, the next thought, it, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's two types of mindfulness, single point mindfulness training, and then the contemplative style. Single point mindfulness is as simple as uh, focusing on one thing for an extended period of time. So master the inhale, then the exhale, mm-hmm. and then master the inhale again, and then the exhale. So that's just focusing on your breathing, right? right? One breath at a time for, let's call it six, seven, eight minutes. That's the minimal effective dose to get some therapeutic uh, effect mm-hmm. from it. Mm-hmm. And then the optimal dose is 20 minutes a day, according to research and science. Focusing on single point. Just single point. And then yeah. so on your inhale, your mind will wander. Right. And an inhale takes about four seconds. So just the inhale, your mind will wander. And then once you notice that it's wandered, great, that's the moment of awareness. Bring it back and then just bring it back gently, you know, swiftly, quickly. Yeah. And so you're training the skill of refocus. You're training the skill of awareness. That's single point mindfulness. It could be a dot on the wall. It could be a mantra. It could be a sound. It could be your breath. It could be lots of things. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's single point. And then the other is contemplative, which is it involves some sort of relaxation strategy to relax yourself, just like the single point. And then just watch. Just watch. Range Rover Sport leads by example. Picture this. Assertive on-road performance meets commanding all-terrain capability. That's the third-generation Range Rover Sport, which is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet. This vehicle redefines sporting luxury, offering an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and effortless composure. Now available in sleek, new stealth pack, Carpathian gray exterior wrapped in satin protective film with black accents and black brake calipers. Inside the Range Rover Sport, advanced cabin technologies like active noise cancellation and cabin air purification offer new levels of comfort and refinement. And let's not forget about the award-winning Pivi Pro infotainment system. Enjoy a dynamic drive and total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Wow, that's like a spa day while on the go. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. The famous Abraham Lincoln quote says, good things come to those who wait. But that's only part of the quote. The full quote is, good things come to those who wait, but only the things left by those who hustle. Well, if you're a business owner and want the best people on your team, the same applies. Thankfully, ZipRecruiter puts the hustle in your hiring so you find qualified candidates fast. And now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com greatness. ZipRecruiter's smart technology finds top talent for your roles right away. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter matching technology starts showing you qualified people for it. I believe finding the right team members is one of the most important steps in setting my companies up for success. And we like to ensure our new hires will be a good fit before they're even on the team. So I am so grateful that I have ZipRecruiter's help as we look to grow our team. Let ZipRecruiter give you the hiring hustle you need. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com greatness to try it for free. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com greatness ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Watch what happens. Watch your thoughts. You know, watch where thought A, how it transforms to B, to to B1, to B2, to B3, to maybe over to C. And just watch without critiquing or judging and just go on that ride. And that's that's the kind of the second tactic Mm -hmm. to mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Who are some of the 
most impressive performers you've worked with that you're allowed to talk about? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's so many that yeah. I would love to share with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll do one that's nameless right now and then I'll do a couple that um, have been public about it. And this is one of the challenges of being licensed as a psychologist mm-hmm. is that we create an environment between client and myself. We create an environment that is unlike anything else where the sanctuary of trust and the depth of the conversation that we go in are, are like no other normal conversation. So out of respect and trust for the code that we've established that mm-hmm. I, I don't share names yeah, in that way. And, but some, some have been public and they've shared names. And so I'm happy to talk about um, within scope of mm-hmm. what I can talk about there. But there's an there's a, um, artist that I'm working with right now and a musician producer that has had, um, when he, he, he worked last year, 50 nights and every night that he books, it's 1.6 million a night. So a, a significant global influencer from a music perspective. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. He's, you know, his music, every, sure, everyone sure. listening, but what's impressive is that it seems like they are from a different planet, but they're not, they're, they're, they're just like you and I, they're, they're humans that have the same exact ambitions, the mm-hmm. same exact fears and worries, the same relationship struggles that we both have. And they have just figured out how to be more tuned to the signal hmm. than the noise. The signal meaning what? The present moment that is aligned with his philosophy, philosophy and also matches the vision of how he'd like to see himself in the future, mm-hmm. the vision of what he'd like to see. And one of the great psychologists of our era, is, his name is Dr. Albert Bendora. And Dr. Albert Bendora um, introduced so many really influential theories about how the mind works in optimization. One of his theories is self-efficacy. Efficacy is a word for power. And part of having uh, being an efficacious or powerful person is that we have clarity of how we would like our future to be. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's going to happen yeah, now, yeah, yeah. right? Like, because you got to back into incredible work, but future, how, yeah. right. Imagination of having a vision of what that is. And then back into how to make that happen. This sounds so like, it sounds so simple. And, you know, psychologists and, and folks for years have been talking about this. It really is powerful though. Mm-hmm. It, it's a really powerful tactic to yeah. do. So, mm-hmm. so anyways, um, this musician has the same fragility that you and I have and at the same time is more attuned to the signal and that's who who am I my philosophy where am I going my vision and then great awareness um, of my thoughts words and actions lining up to make that work so they're better attuned to signal yeah okay now it, I'd be remiss to not include um, two world-class performers that I've learned so much from Felix Baumgartner and so you might not recognize the name. Some people might, but he, it was, um, he was the athlete in the Red Bull Stratos project. And so the Red Bull Stratos project, it was back in 2012 where a team of scientists and an athlete, Red Bull, um, Felix were working to sort out what would happen if a human were to jump from the edges of space without a capsule. Oh, it was, it was, it was like, it was a life changing experience for everyone involved. Crazy. I remember and, watching it on YouTube or something or wherever yeah. it was streaming. Yeah. Yeah, it was. What it's was crazy. your experience watching it? Um, my experience first was like, man, this guy must be in a lonely, isolated space right now, physically, but also mentally. I'm sure there was earpiece and, you know, he had communication and radio and everything, but the place your mind goes with that much time 
like the more you rise and the pressure you're feeling and all the worries and fears of what could go wrong and feeling like I'm alone in this situation. Even though there's millions of people watching and I have people in my ear or whatever it was, I don't know if it was an earpiece or if there was a radio communication, I'm assuming there was, yeah. Even with that, they're however many miles away from me right now and I'm by myself here. No one can save me or help me, essentially. If something goes wrong, it's over. So the amount of fear, pressure, uncertainty, uh, insecurity, what could go wrong, what if the whole world sees me die or fail, you know, all of that. And so I was just wondering how he was able to train for that. Yeah. So, um, okay, great insight. Because the loneliness that comes from mm-hmm. pushing on your edges mm-hmm. is a real human experience. It's huge, and it's, yeah. so, it's so hard to push right on the edge of instability, psychological, emotional yeah. instability. Yeah. is really hard to do. For a long time, we thought we could get people there from physical exertion you know, get their heart rate pounding. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, that's not quite it. Yeah. That's it's yeah. You're, I'm just, yeah. I see how you're responding to that. That's not, it's, it's pushing to the edges of emotional instability, mm-hmm. emotional capacity. And so if you don't practice that, you cannot, ex- you cannot become the best version. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit like a balloon, right? So you blow air into a balloon and it stretches and then there's more space inside the, the balloon to play. Okay. And then it contracts and if you blow more air into it, and that blowing of air is pushing to the capacity of the balloon. Two breaths, it's like, it, okay, there's even more space, mm-hmm. but there's lots more to go, yeah. right? There's 20, 40. What if it pops? That's, a, that's the interesting <laughs> thing. Yeah. When's it going to pop? How much can it go? It actually doesn't. Yeah. You know, so we have this fear about <laughs> like psychologically cracking. Now, that can happen. It can happen. I'm putting an asterisk next to this. It can, but it is so rare that a person and so extreme circumstances, such extreme circumstances that a person mentally has a breakdown. It's actually more rare than we think. What we're actually feeling most of the time for people is this chronic level of stress where we feel overwhelmed, but we're not ready to break. That's not, that's not what's happening. We're just exhausted. Mm-hmm. We're overwhelmed. Fatigued. Yeah. Fatigued. Yeah. We're, and in modern times, like mm-hmm. we're not sleeping enough. Yeah. We're emotionally mm-hmm. overwhelmed. Our nutrition is bad or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Relationships, and everything. We, on the world stage, we don't talk about working harder. Yeah. That, that's a given. Everyone on the world stage is like grinding, you know, yeah. at, at, at a world-class clip. We spend more time on the science and art of recovery, you know, to get that right so that we can wake up tomorrow and Perform high again. be ready, yeah. you know, for, for what? Pushing against the limits mm-hmm. physically and emotionally. Yeah. You know, that's it. Okay. So back so, to, yeah, yeah, Felix. Back to Felix. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, he changed, he changed the way the world understands what's possible. And he pushed right up against his limits. Now, this was like um, a multiple-year project. About halfway through the project, he reached a limit where he became claustrophobic. And he wasn't really? able to be in his spacesuit anymore. And th- that's where I was asked to be part of the project. Mm. You know, Could we work with his mind to extinguish fear? Wow. No pressure. The stakes were high. (laughs) No pressure. Yeah, and I, I, I look back in that experience and all the bright minds and the scientists that were part of it. Beautiful experience. And yes, we successfully helped Felix extinguish his fear of being in the suit, so that he could have clarity and command of his mind to execute a a lifelong dream that he had, Mm -hmm. as well as change the nature of what the rest of us think is possible. Yeah. Yeah. What were some of the things you guys did? Well, there was, there was, yeah. So all the stuff, philosophy and vision that we just talked about, that Helped was really him get clear. his philosophy on his, uh, on who he is. On who and, he is. Yeah. You know, like, did he what, have that before? Well, we all have it, 
but we could we don't. get it out under knife point? Yeah, you know, and so ideally you want to try to get it down to a page and then try to get down to 25 words. And then a sentence and or whatever. The, yeah, or, or maybe three like words, three words yeah, yeah. or whatever, you know. Well, so what did he come up with? Yeah, I'll, that's not public. Okay, gotcha. that part, That's okay. a great question. I wish it was. There's going to be a documentary coming out. Sure. Um, he'll share that. Yeah, assuming. so it's coming out soon. So cool. I'm sure he'll share that. Assuming know. it's breaking limits or something, you know. Yeah, it'll be. It'll, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, <laughs> Anything's if, possible, you know. Whatever. Yeah, something. <laughs> you didn't say it, but I'm saying it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And uh, so, um, okay, so that was part of it. And then yeah. the other part is um, if we need to extinguish fear. So anyone that's, you Before know. Before we go there, when he got clear on that, Mm-hmm. Did a lot of his fears start to fade then, or was there so much more that needed to happen? Yeah, there's still more, right? Then we need to actually train the mind. So getting clear, clarity is really great. Yes. It's the foundation. Yes. And then it's like the two anchors, clarity and, uh, I'm sorry, philosophy and vision are two uh-huh. really important pillars or anchors in the system. And then and then the space between clarity and conviction is is the place of training the mind. So we spent time identifying the thoughts that got in his way. And then we spent time on strategies on um, how to change those thoughts to, or work with those thoughts to have more optimal, pro- productive, progressive thoughts. Can you give an example of? Um, maybe a not for example, him. General yeah, example, yeah, 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 cool. Um, I'm afraid I'm gonna die. This shit again. You know, like that's a thought. Like I got to do this shit again. Uh-huh. Like, that's one. Uh-huh. Something yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Or another one would be like, oh my god, the pressure's really on today. Yeah. Or something like, man. I'm going to let some people down. It's all the stuff that we've already talked about, but it's increasing the awareness of that destructive, negative, counterproductive thought. So if we're forever going to look bad or if we're going to let someone down, what's something we could do to reframe that? Uh, Well, okay. So go back to your philosophy. It probably Uh doesn't have anything to do with others, you know, like, like living to their standards. It probably has to do with caring about others, not caring what they think about you, Mm -hmm. right? Somewhere in that range. So there's a there's this necessary work I think that is required for most of us, which is a decoupling between what we do and who we are. Mm. And if you can pull those two things apart and no longer be bound by by I am what I do, and if you can pull those two things apart, yep. then then there's great freedom. And it's the freedom to say, you know, I can love you and not give a shit what you think about me. And if you can find that space to love other people as best as you possibly can, which is can only happen by the way that you love yourself, right? So our relationship with ourself is really important. So I love you and I don't care what you think about me anymore. Mm. Incredible freedom on that side. So we needed to get some of that. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, The other part was um, recognizing the, the, the counterproductive thoughts, having a way to work with those thoughts to get over to something that is more productive, more positive. And that sounds all wonderful, but the, the way that you do that <laughs> yeah. is that you've got to be credible with what you say to yourself. You credible. C- credible. You can't say to yourself, like, I'm a tough MFR. And you're not. If you haven't done the work. Yeah. You know, like, what, what was your first sport? I, th- I mean, was it? I played everything. Football. But I, mean, I played basketball, football, basketball, track, football. Yeah. yeah. So football let's in college and then. Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. So I let's say football. The, I play with the USA handball team right now still. Oh, yeah, yeah, I knew yeah, that. Yeah, 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 that's really cool. That's yeah. really cool. Okay, so let's let's go eye hand coordination or something. Yeah, you know, yeah. and if I say, yeah, I'm freaking, I'm I'm good at that now, and then you say, oh, okay, cool, let's go play. I'm just, I'm not that. I'm not as good as you, and I'm I'm certainly not as good as I could be. I haven't yeah. trained it, so I'm going to get exposed. So I can't say to myself, yeah, 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 I'm going to take him down. I can't, I can't <laughs> no, say you that. Can't fake it. You can't. There's there was in some a, ways you could fake it, make it, but you got to put on the reps and yeah. Yeah. The, the, there were some 
some um, idea, there's some scant research on fake it till you make it. I, I just cannot nod my head to that idea. Yeah. 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 It's like you've changing your phys, your physical body posture does not alone change your thoughts. Mm. The awareness that you've got a bad posture and the awareness that you've got negative thoughts, that's the game. Increasing the awareness of what's happening inside of you. And then, the, so it's a two-part game, awareness and then the skill to refocus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, so if you're going to say that I'm a stud at something or I'm good at something or whatever, like I've got what it takes, then what we say is for every epic thought that you're going to have, write down at least three reasons to give you the right to say that thought. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we call that back in the practice every day for two hours because I do this because I've had these I've done results. this I've done that yeah. like I've owned it here I've owned yeah. it there and if I've done that I can do this mm-hmm. right and yeah. so it's like yeah. you got to back it up yeah but just saying it to yourself um, you know thoughts are invisible so they're hard to work with so write it down mm-hmm. you know get it out of your head externalize that that hard drive that that's yeah. so powerful for all of us our thoughts our mind is invisible so get it out of your head so. So we did that, some of that work. We did a bunch of breathing work. We did a bunch of mindfulness work um, and um, just re-anchored him to like, how is he going to tell this part of his story? So that's a nice way to kind of think about it. in the future. Mm. How are you going to tell the story to yourself this moment in time, this phase of your life? How would you tell it to your unborn son? Yeah. You know, whatever. Like, how will you tell the story? And so that helps to shape uh, and govern behavior as well. Right. That I failed miserably or that you... Well, that I got scared and I yeah, couldn't yeah. do it. That's okay. But that just needs to be your authentic story. Mm-hmm. Or, I, you know, so there's... there's a, in high stakes environments, there's only a few outcomes that you, for story. I trained I and I backed off, right? Because of the fear. Like I got to the edge mm-hmm. and then I backed off. That's one story. Another story is I trained ridiculously. I got to the edge and I jumped and I died. You don't get to tell the story, but that is right. the story. I went for it. I went for it, yeah. right? Uh, the third story is that I trained ridiculously. I got to the edge and I hesitated. I worked it out and I committed and I, you know, it was it successful, yeah. you know? So there's only like in binary yeah. situations, there's only mm-hmm. three outcomes. Mm-hmm. And I to I just, his situation. Well, yeah. I think to all of ours actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the stakes are really high in life. You only get one pass at it as we know, mm-hmm. as we can confirm there might be multiple eyes. I, I, you know, I don't know that science. Um, there's lots of traditions that would suggest that. But so we get one go at it and we only get one go at this moment. Mm. So the work really is the stakes are really high. If we only get 1,440 minutes a day, that's it. That's all we get. And then once one is spent, you can't get it back. So the stakes are super high. Life is happening. It's happening fast. And we're, we're really busy as a human race. So figuring out how to be more present more often, the stakes could not be higher. And so that's why training the mind to be here now is feels fundamental. It doesn't mm. feel like it's extra. Mm. And if you can't train your mind to be in this present moment, you cannot access your craft. Yeah. The thing that you care most about parenting yeah. or business or communication or sport, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, there's people that I feel like they're isolating their minds a lot. They feel alone. Even when there's people around or if there's a team around them, they feel alone and isolated. Uh, and especially when there's not a team around them, you know, Felix had a team, but no one was actually physically touching him. And like, yeah. you got this, you know, he was by himself in a capsule, right? For how long was the ride up? And Yeah, five plus hours. Five hours. Yeah. So for those that feel, you know, alone, like they're about to go out on stage or they're alone in an interview or they're alone in whatever, a game, uh, you know, tennis match where you're just by yourself there and everyone's watching. How can we... 
is it just like what you said? It's a little bit of the breathing, the philosophy, you know, reframing the thoughts. Is that how we can continue to make sure that when these high stakes moments are happening, obviously every moment is high stake, but yeah, when good. it's like yeah. Yeah. the whole world is watching high stakes, mm-hmm. how can we, I don't know, just overcome those moments of okay. isolation yeah. and fear in that moment. I want to be really thoughtful about that because it's, it's a really important conversation to have. Yeah. And the first part of deconstructing that is that just because people are watching, if you haven't done the work to say, I love you. And at the same time, I don't care what you think of me. I'm not going to be beholden to what my imagination tells me you might be thinking of so me. That's the first thing. It's, a, it's, it's really not important. caring, caring, but not caring. No, no, the first thing I think is to genuinely love other people, right? To start there. Like no matter the, what they think of you. Yeah. No matter what, like that's mm. not, that's you never really know anyways. Like as much as we're having a a really cool conversation now, and let's say we did this conversation every day for the rest of our lives, and we really went under and under and under the surface, it still, I think, would be almost impossible for you to know me. Mm. I don't think it's possible for another human to really know another human. And I've been in my relationship with my wife for, you know, 20, I should know this, like married 22 years, but dated before that for <laughs> yeah, a number of years, like for, you know, sub 30 years. And it's still, it's still a mystery that's unfolding. Mm. So to really love another person, not, but not care what they think of you, that's the first part. So when you do that, you find more freedom and that freedom to go on stage, if you will, to use that analogy. Um, it just changes the nature of the moment because it moves from a threat-based opportunity a threat-based experience to an opportunity-based experience. What's the opportunity to express the ideas that you care a lot about? You know, but and hold that opportunity with high regard because you're asking other people to be present with you mm-hmm. on on the ideas that you have found to be important. Mm-hmm. And then there's a high responsibility to be able to articulate as clearly as you can. Mm-hmm you know, with regard for other people's attention. So yeah. that, that, that's the first thing that I would suggest to do. Yeah, you know? That's great. Yeah. And then, so how do we know how to love others? We have to figure out how to love ourselves. And it sounds really soft. And I spend my time in the most alpha competitive, rugged environments. You know, Seattle Seahawks are full alpha competitors. Yeah. And I've been fortunate enough <laughs> to learn and be part of that ecosystem for a number of years with Coach Carroll. And Felix Baumgartner, alpha male, the most intense human being that you'll find. If it doesn't work, with those types of people, Carrie Lee, Carrie Lee Walsh Jennings, you know, um, four-time Olympian, gold medalist, mm-hmm. you know, unbelievable alpha competitor. Yeah. And it, it keeps coming back to the relationship you have with yourself first. <laughs> so the dialogue and the conversations we have with ourselves are really important. We are our best coach or our worst coach. We are our best friend or our worst friend. We are our, you know, an asset to ourselves mm-hmm. or we are a debilitator to our future. And so that's where it begins. And without awareness, um, every, every world-class athlete, and I'm, I, that's a huge word I just said, every, every world-class athlete that really is interested in pursuing their best, they have great awareness. Mm-hmm. There, there are knuckleheads that eat McDonald's, that show up, they're freaks of nature, mm-hmm. they don't train. <laughs> they usually don't sustain that for yeah, you know, they, a decade of time. It's like a couple of years and then uh, something happens. Yeah. I a thousand percent agree yeah, with you, you yeah. know, and, but those that are deeply pursuing their personal best awareness is part of the mix. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's uh-huh. a trainable skill. Yeah. Yeah. Mindfulness is the way to train it. Who's the most impressive, uh, trained mind human that you've seen 
I don't, I don't want to answer that. You don't answer yeah, 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 you know, they're saying, is it me? You know, I, like I, I'll tell you this statement. Humans are amazing. Yeah. People are amazing. Um, we are not fragile uh, psychologically and emotionally. We are, can do amazing One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And actually, I was thinking about something I wanted to share. I get a lot of questions from you about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there who are often on the go, like I am. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making some extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start, and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Many people host on Airbnb, including some friends of mine who have raved to me about their experience. But there are some people out there who've never imagined their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle, and it's a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you've got yourself an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can you believe we're almost halfway through this year? And that blows my mind. And I've been starting to reflect on what I've accomplished in 2024 already and what I still want to accomplish before the end of this year. When life goes so fast, it's important to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. And therapy can help you take stock and inventory of your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. And I'm a huge advocate for therapy. It changed my life and I believe it's a great option for everyone no matter where you're at in your emotional life. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime you need to for no additional charge. Take a moment, visit betterhelp.com Lewis today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Lewis. Things. Um, and so I've got stories in my head right now of an athlete who I said, I asked, what was your hardest moment in your life? He said, you know, you'd think it was when my mom was chasing me around the house with a two by four nails in it to kill me, that <laughs> yeah. that would be the hardest time, but it wasn't the hardest time of my life. And he's a, he's an elite athlete right now. Yeah. The hardest time in, in my life is um, repeatedly showing up and all of my things and my family's things were on the lawn because we we're evicted again. That was the hardest time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, to be able to go from those places to be able to, you know, I don't know, who cares what they drive, but they drive the nicest cars, wonderful houses. But Private to, jets. Yeah, yeah. but to, to tap into their potential and to know what it feels like to be an, an artist of craft, of words or movement, you know, like we are, people are not fragile. We have fragile body parts. Yeah. Body parts break. Yeah. You know, yeah. and some are, some are so intense that they could take life. But for the most part, we are really... Um, robust, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, highly resilient. Is it possible to reach our potential or is it always expanding? I love that question. Um, the word potential is problematic, right? Because it's a crippler for many people. Mm -hmm. Oh, you have so much potential. Uh-oh. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, like, it's like the pressure's that, on now, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, because of the way that we've just interpreted what mm -hmm. that means and that usually that so pressure more you can do, Go yeah. do it. Oh, he's not doing what he could do or she could do. That's right. They could do. And then, yeah. but that, that there's like this thought that comes with it. Like, oh, that person sees potential in me. So I don't want to let that person down. Mm -hmm. So that's why we got to go back to that decoupling mm -hmm. who I am from what I do, 
also the decoupling of loving other people um, and not caring what they think. Mm -hmm. But when somebody sees potential in us, it can be a great gift if we say, yes, there is more. Show me how. You know, Mm -hmm. like, what do you see? Well, I see this. What do you see, Mike? Oh, I never saw that. Really? You think that's possible? I mean, we have to be around people like that Mm -hmm. to bring the best, you know, out of us to really challenge us to say, that's not good enough. I love you. But that's not good enough. That's what a great coach does. Mm, yeah, I'm sure yeah. Coach Carroll is doing that constantly. Like, we got to be better every day. How do we step up? Yeah, the Seattle Seahawks, under Coach Carroll's guidance, is a relationship-based organization. We produce football mm. and some, some alpha, alpha, tough-minded people, right? But we are a relationship-based organization. It mm. begins with our relationship. There are each person's relationship with themselves. And then so we can have a great relationship with others. Because to do extraordinary things, we don't do it alone. There's always other people, mm-hmm. but most of the time the execution is alone. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. Felix was alone. That loneliness that you were talking about before is a real deal. It's one of the six, we call it the six dimensions of being human. Like every human has that place, that recess in their experience where they are truly lonely. Going back to that thought that I'm not sure that others can really know all of you. So there is an aloneness. We come into the world alone, we leave it alone. Um, I'm not sure what happens, you know, in between, uh, mm. after death, but that loneliness and tapping into it and feeling it and knowing it and being familiar with it, that's a very powerful experience to do. Yeah. And I know it's f- super heavy, mm-hmm. but it's really you important. Know, I remember I used to be really insecure growing up and scared to be alone. I hated being by myself. And when I was like 15, 16, 17, and then in my early twenties, I was just like, I am gotta conquer this because I just hate the feeling of feeling scared or like no one cares or whatever, being alone. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go out as often as I can by myself. I'm going to go to dinner by myself, a movie by myself. I'm going to like take walks by myself, whatever it was, I was going to be alone and start to learn more about myself. And that craft or that art or that practice was one of the best things for me because now it's like, I love being alone. In certain moments, I love being around other people, but then I'm like, okay, I need some space to actually be alone and I'll go to dinner by myself and go to movies by myself still. And I find it powerful personally. Where did that come from that for you? That, that I think it was just, I was afraid. I just hated the feeling of being alone. I just didn't like that feeling because I didn't have much friends growing up. And so I was just like, yeah, no one's going to like me. What's wrong with me? You know, why am I not good enough to have like friends? And then I was just like, screw it. I got to figure out who I am. I think in that time and start to fall in love with myself. So I just wanted to discover who I was and figure out all these things. Then it's a beautiful model that you're describing because from pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, is a wonderful impetus to go on a journey of self-discovery. Sure. And part of that self-discovery journey is it's a requirement to push on the edges of instability. Mm -hmm. And for you being alone, there was those edges. Yeah. And really, it's about alone with your thoughts. Yeah. But alone is different than loneliness. So loneliness is that sixth dimension I was talking about. Even in a group of, surrounded by a group of friends or loved ones. You can feel lonely. You can still feel desperately alone, Mm -hmm. lonely. And so, yeah, it sounds like you've done exactly what um, I've seen so many people that are on the path of mastery do, Mm -hmm. is that they push on their edges as often as they possibly can, and they're hungry for it. Mm -hmm. And it's not like they're... There are some that are unsettled by not doing enough. There are some of those, yeah. but there is a general sense of like, man, I put a solid day of work in today. 
can I do this again tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's get it right. Yeah. You know, there's that sort of tone to get after. Sure. It sounds like you, you did exactly that. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's just like, I had a lot of emotional, mental pain growing up and I just like, I don't want to feel this anymore. So did you, adopt, I... did you adopt the model? Like I need to do more. Is that why you got into elite sport? Um, I think early on it was just like, I didn't have any friends and I remember getting picked last on sports teams a lot, like in elementary school. And I was just, I hated that feeling of not being wanted or needed or like that was good enough. And so I just said, I'm going to be the best in the world at what I can do so that I'm always needed. Yeah. It was kind of like that early drive. That's right. But it left me feeling very unfulfilled trying to prove others wrong. You know, I would achieve all, I was all state in multiple sports, all American, you know, whatever. But it was like, I was always unhappy. I was like, it yeah. wasn't enough. So it drove mm-hmm. me to do more until I realized I was doing it for the wrong reasons. Like, yes, I found joy in my craft and I was like fun and all these things. But at the end of the day, when I achieved the, the goals, it was so unfulfilling. That's that, the, that's that model I was referring to that mm-hmm. is broken. We need to do more to yeah. be more. It, yeah. it never arrives. Yeah. The being, exactly. it never arrives, you know, so we need to be more. Be more of yourself. And each one of us has an authentic self that is wanting and craving to be expressed. Mm-hmm. And that journey of self-discovery is a lifelong journey. Yeah, it's it wonderful. It's hard. It's rare. Yeah. <laughs> and it sounds like, you know, from pain that you you figured out a broken model. Yeah. And then figured out yeah. like, like, okay, that didn't work. And now what is the upgraded model? Okay. I got to figure out who I am and like exactly. be about it. Yeah. When I started to figure out like, oh, okay, all these achievements I'm a, I'm having, acquiring, aren't filling me up. Then I started to shift my model even more. I was like, okay, why am I doing these things? And what's the reason I'm going to be doing these things moving in the the future? And I started to shifting from trying to prove people wrong to trying to lift people up and, you know, lift myself up and show myself what I'm capable of creating and to also have a more loving, joyful experience. Um, But I'm always thinking of like, where's my biggest pain? And how can I look at it straight in the, the eye, kind of embrace it to a point that I like go deep within and see why I'm feeling this pain. And then how can I work on it and practice on it? So it's just, yeah, I can be alone for weeks and be okay. You know, I don't need to be worried anymore because I've done years of practice. You know, same thing with girls. I was terrified of like talking to girls when I was a teenager and I gave myself a summer project where every day, whenever I felt nervous around a girl, it's a random girl I didn't know. I was going to go up to her and say hello and then go up and ask for a number and then, you know, try to ask for a date. It terrified me to do this, but I was just like, I don't want to be afraid to be able to just have a conversation with another human being just because they're attractive or whatever. And so I tried to find that in every area of my life at every stage, you know, it was public speaking in my early twenties. I was terrified to speak. So I went to Toastmasters every week and practiced and, you know, stuttered in front of people and just continued to fumble until I gained a little more confidence and put in the reps. So for me, it's all about discovering the pain, having a clear vision of what I want to overcome and then just putting in the reps like mm. a, like a trained athlete in life. It's yeah. It as simple as you make it sound and as simple as we want it to be. It is that simple. <laughs> it is. It, it, but it, and it's, it's hard. terrifying. Yeah. But I, I look at it as like a sport, you know, as long as I have someone who can like mm-hmm. give me a little coaching mm-hmm. or just say, go try this and here's the game plan. Then I can be the athlete student and say, okay, I'm just going to put in the six hours of practice today and I'll report back and give me feedback. I just saw I apply everything from my sports training into life. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. You know, sport gives us so much. So much. 
And at the same time, every craft can offer the same exact opportunities, right? Sport is just so tangible and physically observable, but every craft offers us, even parenting, you know, like where do we go to get better at parenting? Where are those people that help us? Mm -hmm. You know, there's a couple manuals, but you know, like, you know, and ideally those people are supposed to be psychologists, Uh but unfortunately psychology was born out of studying what was broken of the human mind. And it's just, it hasn't been to the last 30 years that we're really advancing the science of the optimal ways to use your mind. Sure. And so it's like, you know, before the mics turned on, you asked like, what are you excited about? I'm so excited about this point in time right now that people are really finding value and interest in how to condition their mind. Mm -hmm. And it's this incredible swell that's taking over. The industry is exploding. Yeah. The, the value of being present is talked about all the time, mindfulness Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. strategies. And we're seeing the swell even in the most rugged sports, like, like the NFL. Mm -hmm. Six years ago, there was one and a half sports psychologists and now over half team, half of the teams of the 32 teams have a sports psychologist, you know? So that's like saying, yeah, we've always known that the mind is important. And that now there's this group of people that are highly skilled at it to be able to condition it. So it's like, God, it's so, it's really an exciting time. I think the greatest coaches from the past, like the Woodens and the Lombardis, were almost like modern day psychologists at the time. They're phenomenal. They were the ones who were able to like connect on relationship level and the mental level with their players. It sounds like, otherwise, there's in the Phil Jacksons of the world. There's, otherwise, there's no way they would have been champions that many years without having the mental game like mastered or trying to master it and building that relationship with their athletes. So that's how the field, the entire industry and the science of sports psychology started is, okay, there's a question like, how do the best work? Well, let's go study them. Mm -hmm. And so you're right on the money. And if you just look at like great coaches, let's call it 60 years ago, they did everything. They, they nutrition, physical training, technical training, mindset, you know, they did everything, whatever they, they did, everything, recovery, everything. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then some progressive coaches said, Hey, you know, if we got these strength coach guys in here, uh-huh. you know, maybe we go bigger, faster, stronger, have a fourth quarter advantage, so to speak. And then that started to work. Okay? So everyone has a strength and conditioning coach. Right. Now. So now bigger, faster, stronger. And then what do you need? You need medical because mm-hmm. they're bigger, faster, stronger, working higher clip. You need, <laughs> yeah. right. So you need better medical ATCs and medical medical and, and all of that that comes with it. PTs and ATCs. And then what happens is nutrition. So we saw that wave uh, 10 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's obvious nutrition is, is yeah. part of the game, right? Yeah. It's part of the fuel. Yeah. And then, so now we're in this current wave where it's mind, mind. training. Yeah. So it's a competitive advantage. Uh, where do we go next? Next, uh, Let me finish on the mind thing. It is a competitive advantage to know your mind, Absolutely. to condition your mind. We call it front loading. Mm-hmm. So you want to f- do your mental skills front loading. So you get there ahead of time of the test, right? Before the yes. lights are yeah. on. You're visualizing. You, tra- you train before, your mind yeah, yeah. before. You train yeah. optimism, calm, yeah. confidence. Where's confidence come from? What you say to yourself. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's not your past success. It's not if you you do well in warmups. <laughs> That's a totally broken model. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you can train all of these things in a very structured way. And then because it's really hard to show up on what's called an ultra marathon and physically bunk, mm-hmm. you put in a lot of physical training, but then you overtrain. Maybe you get to that ultra or you get to the marathon mm-hmm. even, and then you, you bunk. That sucks. 
But you know what happens a lot for most people? They do all the physical technical training. They show up and they tighten up and constrict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a mental error. Mm-hmm. That's a right. So constriction and expansion. Those are the two kind of th- um, threads that we're working on. What are the thoughts that create expansion? Space. What are the thoughts that create constri- constriction or smallness? And you know we're responsible for that in our own yeah. mind. So it's a really yeah. exciting time. Where do we go next? Probably spirit. Mm. Probably spirituality is like really, yeah, a, a reconnecting to, to a higher purpose. Yeah, that's probably where human hmm. um, evolution is going to go next. Like hmm. a real investment there, along with technology. Like there's going to be some genomic, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, micro splicing that's taking place as we're following right now. That you know, blue eyes, blonde hair, like that scary <laughs> type of thing. You know, is like it's it's real. But then, have you are have you following some of this stuff? Not much. Okay, so right now we think about, you know, competitive advantage, train your mind, your body, your craft, you know, great, great, great. But what if you want to become the fastest human? What if we want to create the fastest human, but we take ostrich legs and put it with a human um, upper frame? It's real. Mm. According to result, according to um, wow. lab research, they are, um, they are surviving in Petri dishes. So how far are we away from that? I don't know. Mm. Like what, what happens? What is surviving? That, what I just described. A human top and a yeah. ostrich legs? Yeah. What? Yeah. What do you mean? How? Yeah. I mean, this is, I'll, I'll show you all this stuff. <laughs> like it, Yeah. Take a look at CRISPR. It, it is. Is it creating a human from scratch or is it? My, it's genomic splicing. Mm-hmm. From nothing or is it a human with no legs so that d- they're putting legs no, on? no no yeah so take the dna of an of an embryo right the dna of a human and dna they're of putting an it ostrich, together put it together already sequencing those those i didn't know the, they were testing that specifically mm, yeah Chris, check out crispr how big is this grown or what well it's scaring us it's scaring a lot of people right now you know Shut like a lot up. of people yeah a lot of people are talking about ai and how that's going to influence uh-huh. human performance that's 10 years out you know Five years, ten, five to ten years. That's really going to take hold. I think that's my predictions. I'm not bullish on it yet. Mm-hmm. It is coming, right? Like yeah. some of the companies that uh, I've been exposed to, like that stuff is really cool. Some of those cool like dog robot things are pretty. Yeah, there's some know. stuff there. It's just not there yet. Yeah, yeah. The most powerful thing that we can do is train our mind. Mm-hmm. Artificial intelligence is the closest cousin we can get to it. But that's going to take a while. Watching yeah, yeah. tape and, and and watching film is a reduction of down from that. But playing the tape in your mind ahead of time, it's the most powerful tool we have. Yeah. We, but it requires discipline. It requires focus. The, and, but we can train those. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. But AI is going to help get people um, that are a bit, no, it's going to help people with the undisciplined mind to get better at it. Wow. But it's still, it's still clunky. There's lots of friction around it. Yeah. But m- microgenomic splicing is coming. It's crazy. When I was a the Catholic in college, I would... We were, I was just training all day for every sport, <clears throat> but at night, my weakest sport was the pole vault because I had very very little training on it, and I had six months where I decided I'm going to try the decathlon, and I'm going to try to be an All-American in six months when I made the decision, and I hadn't done a lot of the events, so I had a six-month window, and pole vault was the hardest. I was maybe like a 10-foot pole, vault, pole, vault, pole vaulter and was horrible form and everything. I would watch this pole vaulting hour-long video highlight tape every single night over and over again for that whole time. I would plug it in. It was my uh, VHS tape and TV at the time in my dorm room and just watch it until I fell asleep. And then I would go in the next morning and try to just mimic 
the greatest pole vaulters in the world. And throughout the whole day, I was just visualizing my form improving little by little and seeing myself go over the bar. And it was one of the most powerful things. I mean, that's when really I saw the power of visualization was kind of during the decathlon training because everything was so technical. Yeah. Every movement of the shot put, the pole vault, and the javelin is so technical. kinetic sequencing that is so cool in that sport. And having to see like the lineup and the hips of just everything and the discus or whatever, I was just trying to watch the perfect way to do it and try to replicate it every single day. But I'm, you know, one of the biggest believers in visualization for everything. You know, I, I, we, I don't use the word visualization. I use imagery, Mm. you know, same same thing. Right. And, but imagery gives me the space to, to also talk about not just seeing it, but feeling it, Mm -hmm. smelling it, using experiencing it experience. So this is an ability. Imagery is an ability. Visualization is an ability, which anything that's an ability you can get better at. Mm -hmm. And how do you get better at it? Well, know, know what science would suggest, know what greats do, how they do it. And the, the easiest way I can describe it is that you and I both know this is that when you close your eyes and you imagine something sensual, you imagine a woman or whatever, you imagine that thing, your body will change. Ostrich's legs. (laughs) Ostrich's legs. That's where you want to go. You're literally, your physiology will change. Uh, And that's when you think of something sensual. Yeah. Sexual or sensual. Like, you know that. Mm-hmm. Everybody that's listening knows that. You just close your eyes and you get and you have this amazing experience in your mind. Your body. Your body turns tingles. on. Yeah. Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> okay, so that's why... Um, okay, so we, you don't need any more research to know that. And every 14-year-old little boy yeah, understands yeah. this intimately. Okay. They can't control it. Yes. <laughs> they, they cannot control that. Okay, so take that principle and layer it on the thing that you care most about. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what does that mean? That means when you close your eyes because the, we're visual creatures and you close your eyes, you know, there's so many visual um, distractions. Close your eyes. You've got to warm up your brain and your mind. Mm-hmm. So your brain from a sensual standpoint, uh, senses standpoint, not sensual, but senses, um, wake up the senses of touch, sound, smell, wake up all of your senses. And the way that we do that with, with athletes is I keep saying we, you know, it's like, but um, see a fruit, see a fruit in your mind's eye. Become familiar with the way it tastes, the way, can you control it and move it? What's the color and the texture and the feel? Wake your mind up that way because a fruit is so tangible, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you're really good, you can taste it. Your mind, yeah, 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 yeah. And then, and then see, but see if you can control it. Can you manipulate it, move it around? Because that's what you have to do in imagery. And then go straight into the thing you care about. You've got all of your senses lit up. Your mind is co- committed to focusing on the thing that, that is important to you and slow it down, right? And then when you're better, speed it up. When you get even more skilled, speed it up again. And so if you can go full time, uh, real time with all of your senses in play and you can really feel it, you're onto it. Mm -hmm. Uh, A couple more questions for you. You talked about pillars of recovery. What are those pillars and how can we incorporate that in our lives? Yeah. So a great question. So again, you know, in the world stage, we, we definitely talk more about the science and the art of recovery. Everybody works hard. And so there's four pillars. The first is sleep well. And that's a given, right? Just saying it though is important because science is very clear. Most humans, 68% to 70%, you know, one standard deviation from the norm for people is, uh, requires seven, eight hours of sleep independent of job function, independent of geographic region. It's a human experience. Most of us need seven to eight hours. When I ask people how much they're getting, (laughs) most aren't getting seven to eight. 
So what's going on? There's a lot going on there. And we can go on and on about like the tactics for that. But most people do know the tactics. It's a disciplined thing to put down TV, to mm-hmm. put down Instagram, to put down yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, get your room as dark as you possibly can. Yeah, cold. You know, yeah, cold. Yeah. You know, yeah. 68, 70 degrees, somewhere in that range. And then, um, so sleep well. And to really value that. Those, and our brain does something funny. Uh, if we study some research here, people that for five days have five hours of sleep when they do a pre-post and a post-test on reaction time. So if you go to sleep for five hours for five days at the end of that period and they re- measure you, um, your reaction time, people, humans' reaction time is no different than a drunk person. They would not be able to pass wow. uh, you know, a .08, yeah. you know, 0.08 um, driving test. So sleep well. The, the next is move well. So get oxygenation throughout your system, you know, like get your heart rate up. Sweat. Do a, yeah, sweat. Like really have a, you know, general guidelines are about four and a half hours a week. Um, of movement. Yeah, two hours. Physical moving. Moderate yeah. to intensity, two hours of, yeah. of you know, non-cardio. So somewhere in that range. And then um, actually, let me do these in order. Sleep well, eat and hydrate well, move well, and then think well. Those are the four pillars. There is a social aspect that's important for recovery, but I want to just focus on the Uh ones that you can fully control. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sleep. You got it. Eat and hydrate, eat colorful foods. You know, plenty of hydration is really important. We we make it really simple, like 40 ounces before two o'clock, 40 ounces before four, like make it super simple. And, and like exact nutrition is a science. There's a science to that, but, um, and then the the other two, you know, uh, get your heart rate up, move well, and then mm-hmm. think well, mm-hmm. be optimistic. That's great. Yeah. What's the question that people should be asking you more, or that they're not asking themselves enough? Yeah, uh, th- that that is a super thoughtful question, and I think that um, what most people do ask is, how can I be better? I don't think that's the right question. I think the right question, and like, listen, like if you knew what I knew and you might know what it, the path and what it takes to become an Olympian, let's say for your child to do, to go that path, you probably would not encourage them, mm. you know, but we are littered with crazy, you know, anxious uh, parenting, trying to help their kids, you know, do, do well in life, but it is a dark, dark path. So I think the real question is, how can you help me know who I am? Um, and what can I do to become myself? I think that that's like, you know, that's important. But also at the core is, you know, what is the human experience about? And my answer is, I can't tell you, but that's the right question. Go and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Go discover who you are and what this journey is about. Yeah. And it's not about being the best in the world. I've, I can't tell you how many times been, people that I know have been on a podium and they get off the podium crying or whatever. And the world thinks that they are celebrating this moment of achievement and they get off and they say, Jesus, I thought I was going to be different. I'm I know, still, right? I'm still that same. It's crazy. Yeah. So know who you are and, and, um, and figure out the, what the human experience means mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, this is called the three truths. Uh, if, if this was the last day for you, and you had no podcast or content or anything out there anymore. It was all erased. So all the information you had was gone. But you had a piece of paper and a pen to write down three things you know to be true about your experience, about life that you would pass on to the world. And this is all people would have, these three lessons or three truths. What would be yours? 
for sure it begins with love. Uh, the second would be courage. And the third would be uh, a path of self-discovery. Yeah, those are cool. Um, I want to acknowledge you for a moment for your gift of helping people open up about who they are and for helping people learn the tools and the strategies to overcome so much pain and suffering and anxiety and stress that a lot of the world is facing that in my mind is pointless for people to have. It's holding them back from their potential or from their living who they truly authentically are. And I'm just really grateful that you are in the world doing this work in an authentic, loving way and pushing the boundaries of what's capable for all human beings. So thank you for all you do. Ah, dude, that's really cool. Thank you for that. Yeah, I I appreciate it. And congratulations on everything you've done. Thank you. Um, You're definitely making a dent in the space and increasing people's awareness about what is possible and some ways to go about it. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I got one more question before I ask it. Where can we connect with you and learn more about your work? Where can we get your information? Oh, cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, two, Two ways. One is... Uh, Coach Carol and I created a business called Compete to Create. It's on .net, compete to create.net. And that's where we help organizations and CEOs and companies um, understand how to train them, their minds to become their very best. And so that's been a really fun process. And who's uh, that for? Like teams of organizations? Yeah. So if you're inside an organization or... and you're interested in that, we've got a digital training experience. So it's mm-hmm. an online course. We've got some in person stuff where. Our staff are Olympians and sports psychologists that go right in and they understand our methodology to help people mm-hmm. transform and become their very best yeah. by training their mind. So it's been, we, we have had so much fun, yeah. you know, working with influential people in the business world to do that. So that's, that's cool. one. That's cool. uh, the second is findingmastery.net. And so, I'm sorry, <laughs> Finding Mastery Podcast. And the website is findingmastery.net. And that's just been, a, I think you and I talked about this earlier, just yeah. a, a wonderful journey about uh, understanding what goes into people that are on the path of mastery and what yeah. they're doing. So that's a fun podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to be part of that yeah. and, and curate that. And then uh, social media is at Michael Gervais. That's Twitter, G-E-R-V-A-I-S. And Instagram is at Finding Mastery. Sweet. Awesome. Final question for you. What's your definition of greatness? Oh, that's, yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, being able to authentically ex- express yourself in any conditions. Michael, thank you so much, man. Thank you. Thank you. There you have it, my friends. I hope you enjoyed this one. I could have gone on for another hour just listening to and diving into the mindset of how we can really optimize the mind and figure out anything that holds us back, anything that makes us fearful in life and really use it to our advantage to move towards it and overcome certain things so that we can create better results in our life. I'm all about finding the tools, the strategies, the techniques to help optimize and have a better life. That's what the School of Greatness is about. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. I'm at Lewis Howes over on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Tag me anywhere you want to share it. You can check out the full show notes, video, resources, links that we talked about at lewishouse.com slash 533. We'll have some great quotes up there. You can tweet those out if you want to. And make sure to tag uh, Michael as well whenever you're posting this out. Again, if you're an entrepreneur or freelancer or startup uh, creator, or you just have a book that you want to put out there or some social media graphics, check out designcrowd.com slash greatness. You get a $100 VIP offer when you go there right now. Again, I use them for a lot of my projects. I just did a book cover with them. I just did a project on one of my new courses. I had them design our full new logo. We've redesigned websites. 
whatever it is, designcrowd.com slash greatness is a great solution to help you create amazing designs for your projects or your business. Check it out at designcrowd.com slash greatness. And also, if you have not got a copy of The Mask of Masculinity, please pre-order your copy right now. The pre-orders will help so much in getting the message out there for me during the first couple weeks of our launch. And if you go to maskofmasculinity.com, you can learn all about what's in it for men, what's in it for women, how it can take your life to the next level, and all the different bonuses we're offering. Again, if you buy one copy, three, 10, 250 copies, we add so much value with some of our programs and courses and never before release content that you can't get anywhere else. So make sure to go to maskofmasculinity.com, pre-order a few copies, and when you do, screenshot your receipt and tag me on your Instagram story. And as Michael Jordan said it best, you have to expect things of yourself before you can do them. Guys, we must expect more from ourselves, and it starts with optimizing the way we think and the way we're being in order to do more in our lives. I hope you guys enjoyed this one, and you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. frustrating is it when you move into a new home and you're excited to settle in and furnish it, but then you're waiting weeks on end, sometimes even a whole month for your new furniture to finally ship to you? Have you met All Modern? All Modern brings you the best of modern furniture and they deliver it for free in days, not weeks. Yep, that's right. They deliver it in days. Waiting weeks for your order to arrive isn't ideal, especially when you've just moved. Get your sofa ASAP from All Modern and sit comfortably while building out the rest of your space. That's Modern Made Simple. At All Modern, you'll find only the best of modern styles, from Scandi to mid-century and minimalist to maximalists. Every piece is hand-vetted for quality and designed for real life. Shop the best of modern outdoor furniture, timeless decor, and everything in between. Find timeless designs in every style that fold function and fun all in one. From small decor swaps to full room revamps, All Modern has you covered. Shop online at All allmodern.com or visit them in store in Linfield or Dedham, Massachusetts, or in Austin, Texas. Some things are obvious. Water is wet. All roads lead to somewhere and paying half price for pizza is better than paying full price. This week at Domino's is half off pizza week. Get 50% off all menu price Domino's pizzas. What's for dinner? The choice is obvious. Get half off pizza at Domino's during half off pizza week now until June 9th. Select this offer online only at participating locations. Prices, participation, delivery area, and charges may vary. Offer applies to pizza portion of your order only. National Outlet Shopping Day is back. Join us June 8th and 9th at Simon Premium Outlets nationwide. Score thousands of can't-miss deals from brands you love all weekend long. They've got up to 65% off every day. And the National Outlet Shopping Day deals are even better. Visit premiumoutlets.com slash NOSD to find a premium outlet near you. That's premiumoutlets.com slash NOSD.
The South Dakota Stories, Volume 5. South Dakota seemed like the perfect place to unplug, but I ended up connecting to the world around me, a world where each sunset was painted, where I felt adventures pulse with every step, and where cold water trickling, pine swaying, and grunting bison became my favorite soundtracks. I just wish I didn't have to leave. There's so much South Dakota, so little time.